Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.35 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 28th day of July, 2023. This is episode 765 of Bitcoin and Good Morning. Let's get right into it with Ezra Reguera from Cointelegraph. United States Senate approves national defense bill that also targets crypto mixers. If you didn't catch it, this was the NDA was what Mitch McConnell was trying to announce the day before yesterday or a couple of days ago when he froze up at the press conference, right? His weekly press conference He's basically surrounded by a whole bunch of reporters and other cats from the Senate and other government officials, and he literally just stopped talking for like 19 seconds. He could not finish. He just froze like a deer in the headlights, and it was really, I mean, if these are the people that are running the show. These are the people that are running the show. It can't even, I mean, I, I swear to God, he was stroking out. I mean, is it, is it, it, is it just like requisite that these people like live forever and while they're alive, they have to be in power? They can't just say, you know what? I'm done. I've done my bit for king and country. I'm going to go hang out with my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, take them fishing. I don't know. Teach them math. I mean, do they have to remain in power until they're dust? Because that's what it looks like they're it, it's doing. But anyway, that's what was that. We're about to get into what he was talking about. Um, so let's do it here. The United States Senate passed. The 2024 National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, worth $886 billion on July the 27th. The bill includes a provision targeting crypto mixers, anonymity enhancing coins, and institutions engaging in crypto trading. Of course, because that's part of the National Defense Authorization Right. As national defense, ladies and gentlemen, national defense. The NDAA is a bill to help authorize how the country's defense department can utilize federal funding. Within the bill, a crypto-related amendment was advanced by a group of senators, including Cynthia Lummis, Elizabeth Warren, Kristen Gillibrand, and Roger Marshall. The amendment was created with provisions taken from the Digital Assets Anti-Money Laundering Act, which was introduced back in 2022, and the Responsible Financial Innovation Act, which aims to establish guardrails to prevent another FTX-style event from happening within the industry. More specifically, the amendment will require establishing examination standards for crypto. This would help assess risks and ensure that businesses comply with related sanctions and money laundering laws. Apart from this, it compels the U.S. Treasury Department of all places to perform a study aimed at cracking down on anonymous crypto transactions. This includes the use of crypto mixers like Tornado Cash, which are used to make transactions private. God forbid. In 2022, the Treasury issued sanctions against the crypto mixer Tornado Cash, barring residents from using the crypto mixer. Meanwhile, the NDAA also includes an amendment that will require companies in the U.S. to disclose investments in China. U.S. Senator Bob Casey said that this notification is necessary for the government to understand how much critical technology is being transferred to our adversaries. Okay, so what bugs me about this is the fact that Cynthia Lummis is part of this. I don't I, I, I kinda don't I I kinda don't get it. The Cynthia Lummis, Kristen Gillibrand part is kind of baffling how they're just saying, Yeah, sure, this is this is good and right, you know, when Cynthia Lummis has basically been telling us all along that she's 
all for, you know, being, being able to be private, have money that's uncompromisable by United States governments or other institutions. And yet here she is in the NDAA with her own voice, you know, being lent to those other voices saying that God forbid private transactions are just bad. So again, don't trust any of these people, no matter how much you want to like them, no, how mu- no matter how much you think you like them, they're not to be trusted. Cynthia Lummis isn't to be trusted. RFK Jr., not to be trusted. None of these people are to be trusted, probably because they're all just flat-ass compromised. But you already knew that. Now, on to this one. If Bitcoiners don't do more, CBDCs will win. Logan Chipkin, Bitcoin Magazine, Please do me a favor and take this with a grain, not with a grain of salt. Uh, just, just because I'm reading it to you doesn't mean that CBDCs will win if Bitcoiners actually don't do more. Okay, this is just somebody's opinion, but opinions are important. The fiat standard economist Saifedean Amis argues at length in the United States federal government or that the U.S. federal government has been propagandizing the masses into choosing cheap industrial substitutes and massively reducing reducing its meat consumption since at least 1916. Amis wrote, The ADA, the American Dietetics Association, is responsible for formulating the dietary guidelines taught at most nutrition and medical schools worldwide, meaning it has for a century shaped the way nutritionists and doctors misunderstand nutrition. The astonishing consequence is that a vast majority of people, nutritionists and doctors today, think that animal fat is harmful while grains are healthy, necessary and safe, end quote. In other words... Even though a meat-centered diet is superior to a grain-centered one, the government and its quasi-private partners succeeded in persuading millions of people into opting for the latter. Amis raises the topic of dietary guidelines as just one example of how a fiat standard distorts an industry, but there's another lesson in this story that Bitcoiners have to grapple with. Even if your product is the best on the market, governments and other entities are capable of spreading narratives that persuade citizens to choose an inferior alternative. Yeah, we call that marketing. It's happened with food, and it could happen with money. On July the 10th, 2023, Karen Strokehecker published an article in Reuters titled, 24 Central Banks Will Have Digital Currencies by 2023 Survey Shows. Apparently, a couple of dozen central banks have been making great progress in their development of central bank digital currencies. Strohecker wrote that these central banks have been working on digital versions of their currency for retail use to avoid leaving digital payments to the private sector amid an accelerating decline of cash. This purported motivation behind CBDCs has been brewing for a while. In August of 2022, the European Central Bank released a report called towards the holy grail of cross-border payments. In it, the authors compared the merits and demerits of various technological implementations of a cross-border payment solution that might be immediate, cheap, universal, and settled in a secure settlement medium. Of the candidates they considered, they concluded that Bitcoin is least credible and that the interlinking of domestic instant payment systems and future CBDCs both with the competitive FX conversion layer, are the two most credible solutions. While the European Central Bank left out any remark about the risks that CBDCs pose to citizens' privacy and sovereignty, River Financial responded with a report of its own. Spearheaded by River's Sam Wouters, this report does explain the gaping hole in the ECB's argument for CBDCs as well as the technological barriers that Bitcoin ought to overcome if it's going to be adopted worldwide. Readers can review the technical and quantitative arguments of both ECB and River Financials for themselves. My purpose in bringing up this punch-counterpunch is that the battle between freedom money and tyranny money is not one that we will win by default, and that it's a... a, Sorry... 
and that it's as much a battle for hearts and minds as as it is for product superiority. Much like the propaganda campaign that persuaded people to switch from healthier diets to those that the government preferred, central banks are levying their best words, videos, and other marketing techniques to convince people that CBDCs are superior to Bitcoin. And in the end, their victory is possible. We know that Bitcoin solves humanity's many monetary problems far better than CBDCs do. We recognize the havoc that rampant inflation wreaks on nations. We understand that lacking a store of value is the cause of so many anti-civilizational behaviors, but that's not enough. If others don't understand the fiat origins of these problems, they don't stand a chance of appreciating Bitcoin as their solution. Whether or not central banks recognize the importance of this knowledge in the battle over the future of money, they're certainly taking every opportunity that they can to spread ideas that push Bitcoin to the outskirts and earn CBDC's widespread acceptability. Quote, Bitcoin bad, CBDC's good, the people think, and that's all central banks need. The inferiority of their product be damned. As Wouters rightly pointed out in his report, quote, Great strides have been made in education, but if Bitcoiners who are less experienced in education want to accelerate adoption, they would benefit from gaining a deeper understanding of the education process to take ownership of it and become more effective. This starts by understanding the gap between their perspective and knowledge and that of the recipient. Some people inside the Bitcoin space are not aware enough of how difficult it is for the average person to go through this journey, end quote. As much as Wouters heroically explains the how, what, and why of the technological improvements that will help Bitcoin achieve widespread adoption, none of these hold a candle to people's ideas about money. Even if Bitcoin eventually becomes an easy to use, as easy to use as credit cards or cash, the masses could still reject it in favor of CBDCs for purely ideological reasons, Grain will have defeated meat once again. This is no reason to despair. Bitcoin is an inevitable. No, but victory is possible. And its fate is largely determined on the ideological battlefield. The gap between our deepest explanation of monetary economics and most people's views on the subject is vast. The same goes for the problems that fiat money continues to cause, the dangers of CBDCs and how and why Bitcoin is a panacea for most of our money problems. The educational effort before us is enormous, but in the face of the enemy's propaganda, necessary. And it's thrilling. Billions of people are about to learn about the greatest civilizational battle that they hadn't even known was occurring right under their noses. Our war is an ideological one. Bitcoin doesn't have to suffer the same fate as meat and the industrial sludge that is CBDCs can perish in the sewers of history. But we have some persuading to do. I, he's not entirely wrong. I just don't want everybody to start going, oh shit, the bat is too, ba- too big of a battle. Because it's especially in the depths of a bear market, like we are in, and we are in one, uh, and I don't see this turning around uh, for at least a few months. You know, we're gonna, It's just going to still be a slog. And it's always the end of that marathon, the mar- you know, the marathon that you run between halvings. It's always at the end of a cycle marathon that people get real fucking tired. And I, I admit, I'm really tired again. I've been here at least once before, and I will be here again because I just refuse to quit. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But even at the end of a marathon, there are people that just go, I give up, dude. I give up. And you can't, you can't, you can't give up. He's got a good point in the the rift, the 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 width of the divide between us that know how this works, because we have become fascinated, we've become enthralled, we've become thrilled, we've started diving into shit that that we swore off in high school and that is economics. Right now that we know that there was a different path that we could have chosen. We could have been presented with an Austrian way of looking at debt. We could have been presented with a different way of looking at inflation, deflation and how all this crap works together and fits together and 
what this machine is really made out of. We could have been presented that, but we weren't. We were presented with bullshit. We broke out of it because of our fascination. That was an, that was a boost of energy that we gave ourselves because we got excited about something. But think about the people, how many people are out there that they didn't get that boost of excitement because they're distracted. So think about where you were versus where you are now and go back to where you were. And that's where everybody else still is. So the man's got a point. Logan's making a good point, but it's worth it. We've got to move forward. Just because we're in the slog part of the marathon that is the marathons in between cycles, you can't quit. You just can't. Now, um, it is time to open up the Circle P for business. Today is Aspenwood, the cabin in the woods, in the depths of the San Juan Mountains, the backyard being the Wiminooch Wilderness. So you're literally nine minutes car ride from the boundary between a national forest and a national wilderness. And there is a difference in the wilderness. You're kind of way on your own, even though you can get into your ass in trouble in a national forest, you want to really push it, go hiking and camping in a national wilderness. And you can do that from the base camp. That is Aspenwood full kitchen, three bedrooms, three bathrooms, sheets, blankets, towels, hand towels, yeah, pillows, yeah, like in a, in the kitchen, you can do full Christmas dinners. You can do full Thanksgiving dinners. You can do full Easter dinners. You can do anything. There's cast iron there, real cast iron, not crappy pots and pans. And this is important because I know a lot of people that they rent a house and they think it's gonna be great. And they go in there and the kitchen basically is almost barely functional. Sure, it's got a stove. Sure, it's got a sink. Sure, it may have a dishwasher, but that's about it. When it comes to cooking utensils, it's almost deplete. No blender, no stand mixer, no Instapot, no cast iron, no no good pots. We got it all, brothers and sisters. And there's a refrigerator. There's a grill outside. All right, 250 bucks a night buys you sleeping quarters for eight people in the middle of 13 to 14,000 foot peaks with a lake, two lakes. In fact, there's a, there's the Visito reservoir. There's also lemon reservoir, which is right next door on the other side of a small mountain range. You can get to that thing in 20 minutes and it's almost completely depopulated fishing, hunting, hiking, camping, mountain biking, Dude, you you got it all. You got it all. So for 250 bucks a night, uh, get your ass over to the San Juan Mountains. Hunting season is coming up. September and October are fairly clear. Uh, the rest of August, uh, the first week of August is spoken for, but there are the rest of August is completely open. So uh, the Verbo link to get into this thing will be in the show notes. Continuing on, let's talk about hydropower, considering we were just talking about beautiful lakes in the San Juans. We go over to Kyrgyz, I can't pronounce it, K-Y-R-G-Y-Z. Hydropowered crypto mining gets a nod from Kyrgyz, I guess is that Kyrgyz president? Kurgs. We'll go with Kurgs. The Kurgs Republic, a Central Asian state bordering China, is reportedly growing its cryptocurrency mining prowess with support of the local government. Kurgz President Sadir Japarov has given a nod to building a crypto mining farm at a hydroelectric power plant. Kyrgyzstan's national news agency Kabar reported on July the 27th. The government of Kyrgyzstan plans to spend up to $20 million to build a cryptocurrency mining facility at the Kambar Ada 2 hydropower plant. According to the president, running a crypto mining farm will allow the government to avoid energy losses associated with non-used power from the power plant, the report said. Since launching Kambar Ada 2 in 2010, Kyrgyzstan has lost 6.8 billion kilowatt hours of energy due to this issue. Jeparov reportedly said, by establishing the mining farm, 
the Kyrgyzstan government will be able to deploy the remaining energy wisely and bring benefits to the country's budget, the president noted, stating, quote, As soon as the mining farm starts working, the earned money will go to the power engineers or, to be more precise, to the ordinary people. Each tie-in, T-Y-I-Y-N, I don't know what that is, each tie-in, Every kilowatt hour will be under the control of power engineers. Everything will be automated and under our control. That's kind of scary. The report somewhat contradicts the recent energy-related news in Kyrgyzstan. On July the 24th, the Kyrgyzstan president announced a state of emergency in the energy sector of Kyrgyzstan, which is scheduled to start on August the 1st, 2023, and expected to end on December the 31st, 2026. According to official data, the emergency situation is caused by climate challenges, a low inflow of water into the Naran River Basin, and the lack of generating capacity due to excessive growth of energy consumption. In the latest report by Kabar, Jeparov stressed that crypto mining will be tariffed at the highest rate available in Kyrgyzstan, though or around five Kyrgyzstani psalms or about 5.7 United States pennies per kilowatt hour. The press conference of the Kyrgyzstan government didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. Government authorities in Kyrgyzstan have been increasingly looking at cryptocurrency as an opportunity to boost the local economy. In March of 2022, Kyrgyzstan lawmaker Karim Khan called on the authorities of Kyrgyzstan to legalize the cryptocurrency industry during a parliamentary committee meeting. The official urged the government to develop legal framework for crypto, arguing that nothing is growing as fast as cryptocurrency, despite introducing some regulations for crypto exchanges in 2021. The government of Kyrgyzstan has not passed any crypto-related laws so far. A few years ago, a former government official also argued that cryptocurrency mining was a major factor driving the energy crisis in Kyrgyzstan. So a rather confusing article, uh, or at least data coming out of Kyrgyzstan as to what the hell's going on over there. But it does look like they are jumping into the Bitcoin mining because why would I say Bitcoin mining when they're saying cryptocurrency? Because there's not almost everything in cryptocurrency doesn't actually require mining except for Bitcoin. There used to be a fair amount of mining going on for for shitcoin number one, right? Uh, for ether or whatever. Um, but since they moved to proof of stake, there's not really a whole lot of other cryptocurrencies that of any note that take any amount of power whatsoever, other than Bitcoin. So this is a Bitcoin mining deal in Kyrgyzstan. But six point eight. What, what did they say? They, how much did they lose? Let's see here. Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see if I can find that thing again. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find that thing again. Uh, well, I guess not. But it was something like 6.8 billion megawatt hours was just gone. Just gone. That was unable to be utilized. You know, probably because like most hydropower, it's out there in the middle of nowhere. And nobody lives out there. So we'll, but we'll have to see, because like I said, this was a bit confusing. It does look like they're going to start mining off of this dam. And that's honestly, that's a lot. Oh, wait. Yeah, here it is. In 2010, since 2010. Okay. So collectively since 2010, so what, 13 years, uh, we're looking at the loss of 6.8 billion with a B kilowatt hours of energy, just non-used, just not used at all. Wow, that's a lot of mining. So there you go. Now, <clears throat> on to back over here to the United States. TD Cowan publishes a bullish report on Bitcoin and MicroStrategy, Nick Hoffman Bitcoin Magazine. Investment banking company TD Cowan published a recent report on MicroStrategy and its adoption of Bitcoin. Quote, a MicroStrategy represents a new kind of firm which generates dollar-based cash flow from enterprise software products and cloud intelligence services, but then converts its excess cash flow on an effectively leveraged basis into Bitcoin. What started as a defensive strategy to protect the value of its assets has evolved rapidly into an opportunistic strategy intended to accelerate the creation of shareholder value. This hybrid corporate strategy represents a paradigm shift in our view." End quote. The report details 
how this forward-thinking company strategy is designed to combat the depreciation of purchasing power holding the United States dollar. Quote, unlike fiat money, the total supply of Bitcoin is capped at 21 million Bitcoin, making it potentially superior store of value, we think. T.D. Cowan explains that this strategy will not be lived short-term, but will be a long-term strategic plan, predicting that Bitcoin will become a superior store of value in comparison to metals and fiat currencies. And that because of MicroStrategy's large BTC holding. They, quote, see MicroStrategy as an attractive vehicle for investors looking to gain Bitcoin exposure, end quote. Significant near-term catalyst for the price of Bitcoin to rise includes the approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF by the SEC, development of the Lightning Network, potential FASBGAAP accounting changes with respect to Bitcoin holdings, and the upcoming Bitcoin halving in less than a year, according to the investment bank. The report is bullish on the potential approval of a spot Bitcoin, ETF joining many other firms in saying it's a matter of when rather than whether one will eventually get approved by the SEC. T.D. Cowan's uh, Washington policy expert Jarrett Seiberg wrote in a report earlier this month stating, quote, we view approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF as inevitable, end quote. T.D. Cowan wrote, quote, Bitcoin could ultimately represent a superior store of value relative to all other forms of money, whether fiat, metal-based, or digital, we believe, end quote. The report describes Bitcoin's properties of durability, portability, fungibility, verifiability, divisibility, and scarcity, establishing history and censorship resistance as reasoning for this. Bitcoin is relatively new. Uh, only around since 2009, despite this small amount of established history in comparison to gold or, God forbid, the dollar, T.D. Cowan believes that Bitcoin has weathered enough trials in the market to suggest a high likelihood it will not vanish as a valued asset anytime soon. They predict that the asset will only grow stronger due to the Lindy effect, meaning the longer Bitcoin stays in existence, the more confident society will have in it that it will continue to exist. If Bitcoin is to take over and exceed the $17 trillion gold stocks market, it would put the price of BTC at around $800,000 in 2023 dollar terms of purchasing power. As more adoption of Bitcoin happens and demand increases, T.D. Cowan predicts in the short term an upside scenario where the price of BTC appreciates 127% to around just above its all-time high at 70000 But if regulators continue cracking down on the asset, they predict a downside scenario of another crash back to 15 k Despite what many big firms have negatively reported on Bitcoin mining and its energy consumption, T.D. Cowan stated that Bitcoin mining is, in our opinion, one of the most efficient, cleanest industrial uses of electricity and is improving its energy efficiency at a faster rate than most, uh, most other industries. The investment bank detailed that, quote, simple economics rather than government diktat are driving Bitcoin miners to the lowest cost sources of energy. So there you go. Beginning with Microsoft or MicroStrategy, but ending with just basically a treatise on why Bitcoin is good uh, at uh, by the by the time they hit the end, the fifteen thousand dollar number, while possible, I kind of don't see it. I kind of just see between twenty eight thousand and thirty thousand dollars for the next six, seven, possibly even eight months, possibly even up into and on the other side of the having. Because one of the things that I've noticed about the having is that it's priced in and it's not priced in all at the same time. It's sort of Schrodinger's having, right? It's it, it's both all at once and we won't know what the outcome is until after the having is, is actually behind us. That's what I've seen the last two times. That's sort of what, what I'm getting at is that we keep thinking that what happens is that it's going to run up right before the having, but it kind of doesn't. It kind of does a little bit, but the real shit, the real fireworks happen slightly after the having has occurred. That's sort of where that's sort of what I've been seeing anyway. Now, on to this one. Let's see here. Make sure I've got the right one. Yep. I do. I do, in fact. 
a BlackRock BTC ETF would not be possible without Bitcoin miners. Okay, Coindesk, Sam Tabar is writing it. All eyes are on BlackRock. After last year's carnage of FTX and other high-profile fallouts, the crypto industry is pinning its hopes on legacy finance muscling through the long-awaited Bitcoin spot ETF. In addition to BlackRock, Fidelity and ARK Investments have filed for Bitcoin spot ETFs, paving the way for institutional capital to flood into the digital asset. Crypto exchanges like Coinbase may clash with the SEC, but Wall Street routinely works with the agency to push through these financial products. While it's not a guarantee we will see a Bitcoin spot ETF soon, even BlackRock isn't immune to the SEC's stonewalling and its surveillance partner remains under investigation. It is looking increasingly likely, especially with the pressure of multiple firms coinciding with the momentum from Ripple Labs' partially successful lawsuit, the arrival of a spot Bitcoin ETF would be a milestone for crypto and is made possible by the miners who have ensured the integrity of the Bitcoin network. From early test validations following the publication of the Bitcoin white paper to the build-out of entire operations across the United States, Asia, and Europe, the past decade has been fascinating for mining. In the years leading up to the recent flurry of spot filings, publicly traded mining companies were how institutional investors gained exposure to Bitcoin. Due to the lack of regulatory clarity for digital assets, investors opted for traditional financial vehicles with stock offerings and compliance requirements, which also alleviated the burden of self-custody. While several other low-maintenance options existed for exposure to Bitcoin, including purchasing MicroStrategy stock or the Grayscale Futures ETF, miners were always closer to the core product. The inevitable spot ETF backed by a major financial institution like BlackRock or Fidelity is bittersweet. Approval of any one of these ETFs by the SEC would signal a regulatory green light while providing investors with direct exposure to Bitcoin. There would likely be a price increase in the underlying asset, which miners have spent this decade building substantial positions in. But a spot Bitcoin ETF also raises the uncomfortable prospect of outflows and capital from mining stocks to Wall Street financial products, wherein banks enter a more favorable regulatory climate and benefit enormously from operating expense ratio fees built into the ETFs. As I highlighted in an op-ed for Coindesk this spring, miners will meanwhile face a lower margin environment well, with, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, with the halvening event next year set to reduce the amount of mineable Bitcoin by 50%. There is irony in miners building the world's first decentralized monetary system only to turn it over to Wall Street for a last-minute assist. Miners, however, have always been aware of the timeline surrounding mineable Bitcoin as first outlined in Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper. The beauty is that we have created a playbook for bridging emerging technology, institutional investment, and alternative sources of energy while providing economic opportunities to the communities who welcome it. While Bitcoin's proof-of-work system may seem limiting on first glance. Miners have used it as the basis for our own decentralized network with footprints across multiple jurisdictions, instantly adaptable to regulatory tailwinds and technological advancements. A Bitcoin spot ETF validates the validators. Its arrival would be a sign that securing the network always had global significance and that there is even more of a role to play as promising new technology finds its place in the global economy. As Wall Street and regulators debate the specifics of a spot Bitcoin ETF, miners are developing profitable business models with shitcoin number one and artificial intelligence, making the ETF debate already seem dated. I noted in another Coindesk piece from earlier this year how our company, Bit Digital, had developed a shitcoin number one flywheel model wherein mined Bitcoin can be converted into shitcoin number one and then staked for rewards. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I can I can hear you yelling. Let's just get through it. Mining infrastructure such as alternative energy sources, cooling systems, and compute systems likewise are being used to process machine learning workloads. Those would call this a pivot. 
or who call this a pivot, misunderstand the fluidity of mining and how the sector has grown beyond Bitcoin to offer investors exposure to AI while incorporating emerging technologies requiring energy output into a sustainable model. Again, miners are innovating and tapping into the promise of new markets and technologies as Wall Street plays catch-up years after the fact. A spot Bitcoin ETF heralds a triumph for the guardians of the network. Our full power is only just being realized. All right. So aside from the Ethereum talk, and which actually ends up being kind of important, I'll get to that here in a second. Um, <clears throat> aside from that, he's not lying. Okay. But what I find fascinating is what he was talking about. It seems to me that in his view, even though Ethereum moved to proof of stake, that Ethereum is actually dependent on Bitcoin mining still. I kind of think that that's a fascinating thing to admit because without at least something anchoring the rest of the shitcoin field into something like solid earth, if not rock solid granite, then the whole thing fails because all it is is what? The fiat system all over again. That's what Ethereum turned into by allowing themselves to go to proof of stake. All right, so... Even those guys realize the importance of real-world boots-on-ground conversion of energy into something of value, i.e. Bitcoin, for the rest of them to actually get on with their shitcoining. I, I think it's honestly kind of fascinating that he admitted that in public on Coinbase, but whatever, let's run the numbers. We got West Texas Intermediate Earl. That's right. Earl is down scant. It's actually kind of moving sideways today. 0.05% of the downside keeps it at $80 and five cents a barrel. Brent North Sea is up almost a quarter of a point to 84.42. I haven't seen these prices in quite a while. Natural gas has also gained by one point. $2.62 per thousand. Gasoline is up a half a point to $2.96. Coming up to that that $3 mark, guys. Gold is up 0.7% to 1959 and 40 cents. Silver is up a third. Platinum is down a quarter. Copper is up 1.26%. Palladium is down a quarter. Agriculture is just getting just lunched this morning. Everything is in the red except for cotton, who's the only winner, and not by much. 0.05% of the upside. Biggest loser. Biggest losers. Oh, they're tied. Both corn and sugar are down 2.17%. Everything else is down damn near over a full point. Uh, Live cattle is up 0.04%. Lean hogs making a good stride, 2.19% to the upside. And feeder cattle is up 0.32%. Dow is up almost a half. S&P is up 0.85%. NASDAQ is up one and three quarters. And the S&P mini is up three quarters of one point real money chilling out at 29,251 bucks and 39 cents. Uh, we got 0.64 BTC is the average transaction value and $76 worth of BTC is median transaction value. Block times are low nine minutes, 48 seconds. We got 0.14 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 20.7 taken overall in fees in the last 24 hour period. With almost a full point drop in hash rate, uh, BitInfo Charts has a hash rate at 360 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator tells you the field of shitcoins. That's Dogecoin, 7.7 United States pennies. I got a $568.7 billion market cap. That is 4.34% of gold's market cap. Dude, I mean, gold and Bitcoin have been basically neck and neck on this for the last two months almost because we can still get 15 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin of which there are 19,441,424.33 of and 4,691.6 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $137.3 million running over 16,351 nodes that we know about sporting 68,801 payment channels that we can see and 72.5% of all of it's being run over Tor 
Mempools are not looking too bad. 111, 110 blocks uh, carrying 278,000 unconfirmed transactions. High priority transactions going for 15 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority 13 and everything under 4.04 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged from mempools around the world. And I am number nine on the Fountain app charts. Thanks to Dirty Jersey Whore, who I haven't seen in quite a while. Thanks, Dirty Jersey, for the 19,760 sats. And he says, just stopping by to sprinkle some value on you. Y'all be good, Dirty Jersey Whore. Nick underscore dose with 1367 says, cheers. Uh, Bitcoin underscore kook with one two two one palindrome boost 1221 didn't listen never selling forever boosting dubrovko with a thousand quote there are three types of people in the world one those who can count two those who can't and he also comes back and says just taking the handle at x is so on brand for the great tribe member with the red team malware I guess he's talking about Republicans. I don't know, man. I'm I'm so tired of blue team, red team. They both suck ass. God's death with 370 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Pies with 100 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. We've got data. BTC price shrugs off strong PCE data as traders eye the $28,000 range. William Suber, Cointelegraph. Bitcoin stayed range bound at the July 28th Wall Street Open despite further United States inflation data beating expectations. Yeah, you beat it like a dead horse. Data from Cointelegraph, Markets Pro, and TradingView showed BTC price action getting only a modest boost from the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index print. This came in below estimates hinting that U.S. inflation was continuing to subside and copying other data prints from the week. Commenting on its implications, financial commentary resource The Kobisi Letter noted that PCE represents the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation metric, as previously revealed by Chair Jerome Powell, quote, PCE inflation is now at its lowest since April 2021. The Fed may finally have inflation under control, it suggested in part of a social media analysis, whatever, dude. Uh, much uh, like the July 26th Fed interest rate hike in the July 27th U.S. Q2 GDP estimate, however, Bitcoin refused to turn on volatility, sticking between 29,000 and 29.5. Among traders, there was still appetite for BTC price downside with $30,000 resistance now in place for over a week. Popular trader Crypto Tony confirmed that he remains short BTC below 29.6. Quote, I expect continuation down to $28,000 flat in time, but for sure, we could range here for a little while before the drop, he told Twitter followers on the day. He wants you to sell your Bitcoin so he can buy it. That's why he's saying it. Fellow trader Dan Crypto Trades likewise placed emphasis on the loss of the local range focused on the $30,000 mark. Quote, with Bitcoin rejecting from the previous range, I think it makes sense to prepare for low 28,000s, he argued. Quote, invalidation upon retaking 295 but there seems to be a lot of supply at that level and little spot bid to bring it up. Likely a choppy road on the way here. Of course, we're months out from the happening, dude. This is the slog. It, the, there's nothing different going on in this slog than there was in the last slog or the slog before that. Michael Vandepop, founder and CEO of trading firm 8, Meanwhile, spied what he called deviation on the daily BTC USD chart, something previously occurring in February and which was followed by an upward rebound. Van de Pop additionally queried whether the weekend, with its thinner liquidity and more options for volatile movement, could produce a classic comeback. Yeah, well, you never know. You never know. The liquidity is is weird right now. There's a lot of exchanges that had had a lot of their liquidity sucked out of it, but it's coming back in. This is just welcome to Bitcoin. 
if if you're new and you can't stand the volatility, you you have two choices and only two choices. Well, actually, you got three. You can get out because you just can't handle the volatility. You can literally not only learn to deal with it, but learn to love it because that's the only way that you're going to survive this shit. And I don't mean love it by trading it. I mean love it by going, oh, look, it's a roller coaster. It's so much fun. Wee! But God forbid, don't trade this shit, okay? Unless you are prepared to look at screens for the rest of your natural born existence and work off of maybe one hour of sleep a week, you're going to get your ass handed to you. Three, you can choose to enter in a coma. That way you can deal with the volatility and not be aware of the volatility all at the same time. We call it Schrodinger's coma. Anyway, guys, you're going to have to be very, very careful out there with all this crap, right? So what on earth happened? Wow. Okay, like literally all of the text on this on this thing became very blocky and unreadable. Uh, let's see, where were we? Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see, did we get, yeah, we did get to the end. All right, so let's continue on with the next one. FTX and Genesis reach an agreement. Oh, in ongoing bankruptcy dispute. Uh, maybe they won't sue each other now. I don't know. Coindesk, Sam Reynolds, bankrupt crypto firms FTX and Genesis have reached an agreement in principle that would resolve claims made by both parties. Quote, the parties have reached an agreement in principle subject to documentation regarding a settlement that would resolve, among other things, the claims asserted by the FTX debtors against the debtors in, those, in these Chapter 11 cases and the claims asserted by the Genesis debtors against the FTX debtors in the FTX Chapter 11 cases, a letter filed by their legal representative to Judge Sean H. Lane reads, the letter did not include details about the settlement. Genesis had emerged as the largest unsecured creditor of FTX and its affiliated companies with $226.3 million owed, according to a January court filing that includes a list of major creditors in parallel. FTX also claimed that Genesis owed nearly $4 billion, later reduced to $2 billion, which Genesis has denied. Genesis Global Capital, the lending division of Genesis, temporarily halted redemptions and new loans in the wake of the collapse of FTX in November. This decision was made in response to the extreme market dislocation and loss of industry confidence caused by the FTX implosion, a spokesperson said at the time. The company then filed for bankruptcy protection in January, already weakened because of losses to the tune of several hundred million dollars due to the collapse of Three Arrows Capital. Genesis is owned by Digital Currency Group, which also owns Coindesk, which is where this thing is coming from. So, in principle, you know what that means? <laughs> that means they're tired of arguing with each other and they got better fish to fry right now. This deal falls through, I guarantee it. I guarantee there's no way that this quote unquote agreement in principle uh, stays intact until the next halving. Uh, may, maybe it will, but I, I seriously doubt we'll get, by the time we hit the next having, they're going to be at each other's throats yet one more time. And speaking of somebody who is, you know, wolves at the door and wanting to rip your throats out, France and Germany are coordinating on the world coin investigation. So France was pissed and now Germany's pissed too. And Connor Stefton tells us about it from decrypt. European regulators are stepping up their inquiries into WorldCoin, with France and now Germany becoming the latest countries to investigate the controversial project. Co-founded by OpenAI Sam Altman, WorldCoin has embarked on an ambitious drive to scan the irises of millions of people, giving them a digital passport in return. The project claims that these world IDs will be crucial as artificial intelligence becomes more influential and allows humans to provide or to prove that they aren't robots. Quote, the legality of this collection seems questionable, as do the conditions for storing the biometric data, the French privacy watchdog CNIL told Decrypt. CNIL officials said that the agency began an investigation, but is now coordinating with the Bavarian state authority in Germany. 
On Tuesday, Britain's Information Commissioner's Office had also confirmed to decrypt that it was making inquiries as well, not least because organizations need to perform a data protection and impact assessment before they begin to collect such high-risk information. Even the heavyweights in the crypto space have sounded the alarm. Earlier this week, Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin warned WorldCoin has major issues and iris scans could inadvertently expose a person's sex, ethnicity, and maybe even their, you know, medical conditions. Undaunted by the regulatory pushback, WorldCoin Orbs, the hardware of, of the, that scans the iris, remain available in each of these countries. Two are based in Britain, one in France, and two more in Germany. Amid speculation that consumer interest in WorldCoin has been tepid to say the least, Altman claimed there have been crazy lines around the world with one person getting verified every eight seconds. But doing the math, this suggests it'll take decades to achieve mass adoption. Assuming verifications continue at their current rate, it would take five years to register a measly 19.6 million people. That's 0.00245% of the world's population, WorldCoin recently declared that it's planning to substantially increase the number of orbs in major cities as the year progresses, meaning it will have five times more capacity. And on the issue of privacy, the project told Decrypt, quote, the WorldCoin Foundation complies with all laws and regulations governing the process of personal data in the markets where WorldCoin is available, including the General Data Protection Regulation and the UK Data Protection Act, end quote. It added that a rigorous data protection impact assessment has been performed in the UK with the help of a top-tier law firm, and it will be responding timely to individual requests to delete their personal data, which will never become deleted. It will never happen. They will never delete that data. There's no way that you can prove that they do delete the data. I've talked about this before. Hell, I don't even know what the hell there's. I mean, they say they're scanning the irises and only the irises. If I'm looking into one of these cameras, you know what else I can see? I can see the retina. They're saying that they're only doing the iris. I guarantee you they're taking retinal data too. It's just, you might as well. But... If any of you guys out there are even thinking about this, don't do it. Please, for the love of God, don't do it. And if you know anybody who's thinking about doing it, don't do it. Who did they go after first? Who did they go after first? The poorest people on the planet. They targeted the poorest countries on the continent of Africa, which by and large can be considered one of the poorest continents on the face of the planet. They did that shit on purpose because those people were desperate for money. That tells you the kind of heart and mind and soul of the people behind the WorldCoin project. Sadly, it's also behind OpenAI, but that's a whole other can of worms. Let's just stick on WorldCoin. These things are evil. Everything about that project is evil. There is nothing good that can ever come from it. And now there's like WorldCoin ID data that you can buy for 30 bucks a pop. You can just go buy iris scan data, 30 bucks on the black market. Nobody knows what the, who the hell anybody is already. And they don't have anywhere close to the amount of people that it would qualify for, you know, the majority of humanity. Just, just, it's a money grab. From the people that can least afford to have whatever money they do have left taken away from them. And so anybody that you know that is saying that WorldCoin is a good thing, you need to understand that hopefully they're just ignorant. But if they're not, you're hanging around with a fucking evil person and you need to delete them out of your life forever and never talk to them again. Geyser integrates Zaps. And launches grant for Bitcoin educational communities. No bullshit Bitcoin has this one. Geyser is a Bitcoin and Lightning native crowdfunding platform for Bitcoin builders, projects, and communities. They've integrated Zaps. Users can now Zap Geyser projects on Noster from any Noster client that supports Zaps and get recognized in the project's leaderboard. 
The funding amount will be verified by our nodes so that the zaps can't be faked. Last week, Geyser also launched its fifth Bitcoin grant aimed at supporting educational initiatives and community-based Bitcoin initiatives worldwide. Quote, the grant seeks to amplify the efforts of Bitcoin communities that are emerging across the globe, offering knowledge, education, and tools to promote participation in the Bitcoin movement, reported Bitcoin magazine. These are the people that would most benefit from Bitcoin, which can act as a shield. These are also those that are least aware of Bitcoin, said Mick Marucci, CEO of Geyser. To fund the grant... Geyser has raised one, is it one? Yeah, one BTC thanks to generous donors in a partnership with Blink. Applications for the grant are currently open and will be accepted until mid-August. So if you want to get in on that, you have until the middle of next month to get that shit done. On with another one, Civkit Orage. A lightning network node with focus on availability, modularity, and security Again, no bullshit Bitcoin or no bsbitcoin.com has it. Orage, O-R-A-G-E, is a big metal lightning node with a focus on high availability, modularity, and security. It's not an attempt to create a new lightning network stack. Instead, it's a concerted effort to simplify the onboarding experience for users who are new to Bitcoin and lightning. The project is built on the lightning development kit, and aims to provide the necessary tools, simplicity, and infrastructure to ease the integration of both individual users and enterprises into the ecosystem. Orage, being constructed on the LDK, will offer inbuilt features such as custom scripts. These scripts will provide greater flexibility in the types of applications that can be built on the Lightning Network. The ultimate goal is to encourage the development of more lightning-aware applications. The integration of custom scripts, escrow, discrete log contracts, and Taproot will collectively facilitate this ambition. Get involved at github.com forward slash civkit forward slash orage. That's civkit forward slash orage over there on GitHub. Now, what's next? Okay, last one from No Bullshit Bitcoin. The Primal Android app is officially in beta, and it's no longer read-only. Primal Android beta is here. It's no longer read-only. Simple actions are supported. We now have the momentum on Android. Stay tuned for frequent updates moving forward. Primal iOS app also had an update. Uh Uh-oh, something shiny happened. Okay, also had an update, which includes media uploads, faster feed refresh, solidified reply UI, and note editing, plus a bunch of fixes. In my opinion, daily driver candidate. Last but not least, Primal's web client now allows for profile editing. So, like, uh, what's new on Android is uh, like, uh, repost, post, replies, Automatic feed list refresh. That's going to piss some people off. Infrastructure uh, is a testing framework. And then there's other various fixes. So there you go. That's where where, uh, Primal is on the mobile front. And Primal is actually one of my favorite. It's definitely my desktop go-to now. Um, I've been through several desktop clients. And I've settled on Primal as being my favorite one. Because it's it's just rock solid. Now, last one for the day, Decrypt Tim Hockey, NatWest customer debanked for crypto trading amid the Nigel Farage row. Oh boy, it isn't just the polarizing British political figure Nigel Farage who's been debanked by NatWest. A former customer of the UK bank claims to have had their account closed for crypto trading. Decrypt spoke to one member of the NatWest Close Down My Account Facebook group. Yes, they have their own Facebook group. We'll get to that. Which is preparing to flood the bank with data requests from customers who have had their accounts closed down with little justification, according to reports in the British press. The former NatWest customer, who prefers to remain anonymous, shared documentary evidence with Decrypt revealing that their NatWest account was closed down because of the cryptocurrency trading. The bank added that it wasn't required to disclose the specific reasons behind the account closure. Quote, I had a business and personal account missing for two months. 
They weren't visible on my banking app. I was told that due to cryptocurrencies, they would be ending the relationship with me. I had to use a food bank over last Christmas with no access to my funds. NatWest had earlier blocked the customer's account following a dispute relating to a peer-to-peer crypto trade. The customer logged an appeal relating to this account block with the financial ombudsman service who ruled in the complainant's favor. In a verdict that was shared with Decrypt, the ombudsman wrote that, quote, At this time, what NatWest have provided isn't sufficient for me to conclude that the account was blocked fairly. I believe NatWest should pay 8% simple interest on the balance held for this period and 100 pounds for the distress and inconvenience caused as fair compensation. Decrypt has verified the existence of the case with the ombudsman, so it's not bullshit. A spokesperson for NatWest told Decrypt that, quote, like all UK-related banking institutions, we are subject to legal and regulatory requirements, and we treat compliance with them as a matter of priority. This may mean we are required to delay or refuse to act on a customer's instructions and suspend or restrict a customer's account, end quote. In March of 2023, NatWest imposed restrictions on customers making payments to crypto exchanges, limiting them to £1,000 per day and £5,000 over a 30-day period, joining UK banks, including Nationwide and HSBC. The Facebook group shared details about the process of filing data requests after right-wing British political figure Nigel Farage lodged a subject access request to obtain a 36-page report outlining why his account with NatWest-owned bank Coots was closed. Coots, an elite private bank established in 1692, man, that's old. It counts members of the royal family among its clientele as a subsidiary of the NatWest Group, which is 38.6% owned by UK taxpayers following the 2008 financial crisis. Oh, it's almost a public company doing this to a public citizen. A polarizing figure in the UK due to the leading role he played in the Brexit leave campaign, Farage revealed that Coote's decision to close his account was taken because in the dossier's own wording, his publicly stated views were at odds with our position as an inclusive organization. The dossier further accused him of holding xenophobic, chauvinistic, and racist views. Since when can you not get a bank because you're an asshole? Dude, NatWest Chief Executive Allison Rose apologized to Farage for dropping him as a client of Coots following the publication of the dossier and subsequently stepped down from her position at the bank. Unmollified, Farage argued that the whole board needs to go. A report from the Times suggests that the British government could soon implement measures to strip banks of their licenses if, like Coots, they debank customers over their legally held political views. Under new rules, banks would have to give customers three-month notice before closing their account, along with explicit reasons and a right of appeal. The British Treasury will make an announcement about it soon, possibly this week. On Wednesday, the Information Commissioner John Edwards wrote... To the banking organization UK Finance, reminding them of their responsibilities to the public. Quote, banks should not be holding inaccurate information. They should not be using information in a way that is unduly unexpected. And they should not be holding any more information than is necessary. Even the information banks gather around politically exposed persons must follow the law, Edwards said. Nigel Farage, the former leader of the UK Independence Party, which under his tenure had a core policy of saving the pound, became a proponent during the pandemic of 2020 when, in his new capacity as leader of the Brexit Party, later branded Reform UK, he accused governments of creating vast amounts of funny money debasing currencies. During a Bitcoin Amsterdam interview in October of 2022, Farage railed against the idea of central bank digital currencies and specifically championed Bitcoin. That is ultimately your personal sovereignty gone out the window, living in a cashless society. If I've got the option of the pound under a central bank digital currency or Bitcoin on my cell phone, I know which one I'll choose. Oh, okay, Nigel. All right. So even if you're an asshole, you, you, you should still be able to do banking. I, you know, that's what I, I don't understand is a company or service or institutions willing, willingly 
willingly killing their own cash cow by deleting their own customers. I don't want to do business with you. Why? Don't you like my money? Because that's what you're doing is you're literally limiting yourself to how much money I give you because I can't do business with you. Are you insane? Was that taught in business school? See, I don't get it, but I don't have to. That is why I Bitcoin and that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, sending you off into the weekend with Dad Says Jokes. 15 plus 15 is 30. 16 plus 16 is 32. And speaking of numbers, I need more numbers. I really do. I I, I just, I, I could use some more, you know, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I could use boosting. I could use streaming. I can use like when uh, the show uh, announcements come out over on Noster. If you would just just re just repost them. If you just do that. Oh oh oh! It's the the you know uh, episode seven sixty five of Bitcoin and you know note that comes out on Noster. Just just hit repost. You don't even have to say anything about it. Just hit repost. Because that hopefully will get it to start propagating through, you know, because my listener count ever since vacation is just, it's just down by half and I don't get it. I, I mean, I kind well, I mean, I kind of do, but I also kind of don't. I wasn't gone that long and there have been times when I took vacation and I literally for two straight weeks, there was zero. I put up nothing at all and I, it hasn't been this bad. So I am kind of wondering if the slog of the very end of the bear market has really gotten people to where they're just, they're just mentally exhausted. They don't want to hear about Bitcoin. They don't want to know about it. They just want to go on about their lives. And that goes back to that education piece that I read, uh, like during the, uh, during the morning report, right? Where remember where it was that you were when you knew nothing about Austrian economics, you didn't know who Saifedean Amis was. You didn't know anything about debt structure. You didn't know anything about the fact that banks just print money all the time and that every time they do, it screws the money that you already have. Right? Remember back to when you didn't know about any of that. That's where everybody still is. And we're also in the slog of the bear market and people are turning their attention to AI. There was always going to be something on the horizon. I always knew that. Right. It just this is what we're dealing with. People are like, oh, nice and shiny. You know how I get distracted. Think about the rest of the world. I'm fairly focused, but even I get distracted. So think about the unfocused masses out there. And it's like, oh, AI is now the next big thing. We still need money. We need sound money more than ever. In the history of mankind, of humankind upon the face of this planet, as walking around as bipeds, doing things that humans do, never before in the history of all of that, written or unwritten, have we needed a sound, uncorruptible money more. Never before in history. We need it now. We need it now. We need it now. And we need it for the rest of humanity's future. We got to work at it though. We got to work at it. And that means bringing yourself up out of the slog, becoming refocused, getting through the rest of this marathon. All right. And I want listeners to start coming back to the Bitcoin and podcast. Tell me how I can do it. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.